Good morning. It's good to have this number back out with us for our first half of our worship service. This morning I want us to look at something that we should stay fresh into our minds and we should dive into it as often as we can. And every time I think about the cross of Christ, it breaks my heart. I mean, it, 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 just, it just breaks my heart to think about a person having to go through that anguish for me. I make it personal. I don't, exclude, I don't like to exclude anybody, but when I think about the cross, I make it personal. I think about myself, and I measure up myself in, our everyday, in my everyday walk of life, and what I'm doing is wrong. I know that I hang Christ back up on that cross myself. I crucify him yet again when I sin willfully and knowingly. Therefore, we don't need to do that. So let us go back to the cross of Christ. So if you have your Bibles, be opening up with me to Mark chapter 15. We're going to be in verse 33. But we're going to take notice of, of something also as we take notice of Christ's cross and the death that he died. Keep in mind, this was not an easy death. Now, previous to this, his arrest, his, his betrayal and his arrest, he prayed for this cup to be passed. He did. He, he prayed for it to be passed, and we you take notice of what he's actually talking about. A lot of folks like to think about, well, him dying on the cross. He, didn't, he, he really didn't want to have to do that, but yet still his father told him he had to for your sins, my sins, and the sins of the entire world. And we're going to see that the, right there in the beginning here, the representation of the darkness. The cup that he wished to pass was him being separated from his father for the very first time ever. Ever. Now keep in mind that God will not be in the presence of sin. He will not be. He will not. He hates it. He, he wants nothing to do with it. Therefore, remember Satan when he was cast out of heaven, when he rebelled and that sin arrived, he was cast out. And he's doomed to spend an eternity in darkness and that lake of fire. Keep that in our minds when we go throughout this lesson about measuring yourselves up and that darkness and not measuring up and this representation of darkness upon the earth that was for three hours. Mark chapter 15 verse 33. Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, three hours, and the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama, sat back them which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Let's think about that right there in verse 34. When the Son of God, one-third of God, prays to his Father, lifts his voice up and say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Verse 33, we, there's a picture painted in our minds about darkness. A lot of folks think, of, oh, it was a... Uh, a solar eclipse or there was a cloud. No, there was darkness. Just darkness. It was an unnatural phenomenon. Do you know what this represented? This represented Christ taking on your sins. Christ taking on my sins. And all of the sins in the entire world. A lot of folks say, well, of course he did. He died for my sins. Well, he most certainly did. This thought that there is room on this cross. There's room on this cross for you. You don't have to be there because he went for you. He went in your stead. 
That word propitiation comes to mind. Him paying your sin debt upon that cross. That sweet-smelling sacrifice that was sweet to God. Christ here, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is that cup that he prayed to his heavenly Father to be passed. But keep in mind in that prayer, he says, but your will be done and not mine. Jesus was a man. Jesus, had, Jesus was a man, and yes, he was God. He was, that's when the math don't add up. He was 100% God and 100% man. No, he wasn't 200%. He was 100%. Folks, he was the Son of God. Hanging it on this cross for our sins. We read in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 26, knowing that Christ took on your sins. Well, this sacrifice does not avail you if you are sinning willfully. Do I need to say that one more time? If we sin willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, after we have become immersed or baptized for the remission of sins, this sacrifice that, we're, that, that breaks our hearts, that, that cuts us to the heart, it does not avail you. It does not remain. It does not exist for you if you're sinning willfully. That's Hebrews 10 verse 26. That's not me. That's God's word. And in verse 27, that fearful expectation of fiery judgment. Here we see Christ upon that cross praying to his heavenly Father, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The idea of forsaking means to be not around or not in or not upon anymore. Brother Daniel read uh, John chapter 15 this morning. What a wonderful passage. I like teaching the true vine. I, I, I like that. I also like 15 verse 9. To staying in His love, keeping His commandments. That's important in our everyday spiritual life. When we see this here about what sin does for people, it separates us from God. We see the Son of God being separated from His heavenly Father. And then verse 35. Some of those who stood by when they heard that said, Look, he is calling for Elijah. Then someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine, put it on a reed, and offered it to him to drink, saying, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come and take him down. See, a lot of folks witnessing this wasn't fully assured of themselves what Jesus Christ was actually talking about. He wasn't talking to Elijah. He was talking to his heavenly Father. And in verse 37, this is the verse in, in Mark chapter 15 that should break our hearts. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his, breathed his last. Those words were, My Father, into thy spirit I commend thee, for I give my spirit into thy hands. In other words, I'm coming home. I'm yours. Use me as you see fit. That's what Christ said in his last few voices, his last sentence. He died a sinner's death, yet he was sin free. Why did he have to die upon that cross? Why did he have to die that cruel death for your sins? 
so they may be remitted. I did say may, right? I didn't say automatic. No. I did not say or. I said may. Because Christ, God himself, requires faithful servants unto his children. That's what he requires from us. So in verse 37, we see Jesus giving up the ghost or breathing his last, and he dies. We also take notice of those two folks previous to that. That's on each side. So let's back up in time. We're in a time machine this morning. We're going to back up just a little bit right before Christ dies upon that cross. Now turn with me over to, I keep your finger in Mark 15, uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 23. And right there in verse 39 through 43. Now I know this verse has been taken out of context. Well, excuse me, these few passages have been taken out of context. And uh, impure thought has come about. Saying all you got to do is believe. Well, we have more steps today. Jesus had the authority to do what he did. In Luke chapter 23 in verse 43. Before we get that, let's read verse 39. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing that you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Let's stop there in verse 42. We see the interactions of the thieves that are hanging on each side of Jesus. Now keep in mind, if you was to study crucifixions in the Roman time, most of the crosses, I can't say all, most of the crosses was a capital T. That's the way they were built. Our Lord and Savior had a special one because of the inscription that was written in verse 38. This is the king of the Jews. It was written on that little stem we stick up today, which is a, a lowercase t. We represent as a, as a cross. That was our Lord and Savior's cross. It was special because it had that inscription. No other cross had that inscription. So we just see these two criminals on each side of Jesus, him on his special cross, to succumb to this death that's to become. One saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us too. One on the other side says, no, we're, we're getting our just reward, but we're guilty of the things we have done. But this man hanging in the middle, he's done nothing wrong. And he said something significant in verse 42. Then the one who said that Jesus had done nothing wrong said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He understood who Jesus was. He understood that the kingdom was coming. He had just done something wrong. He made a bad choice, just as you and I make bad choices as well. But then we see Jesus having passion upon him. And, oh, compassion, excuse me. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I said to you, Today you will be with me in paradise. I hope that comforted that man. 
Yes, he was fixing to have to die that crucifixion, but I hope he had. I hope he took comfort in that, hearing that come from Jesus. Now, a lot of folks say we see there he that 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 thief wasn't immersed, that thief wasn't baptized. No, Jesus was still alive. He had the authority to forgive that man's sins. Right there until verse forty-six, when Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, "Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit." And he breathed his last. Again, we see Luke's account of Jesus dying. But important in verse 43, Jesus had the authority to forgive that man's sins. Today we have instructions from God's Word. We're not just forgiven because we believe. We're forgiven when we're immersed in those baptismal waters. We're forgiven on Judgment Day when we remain faithful unto death. Just as Daniel read this morning, loving one another. Keeping Christ's commands. If we don't keep His commands, we don't abide in His love. When we don't abide in His love, we're like the other criminal on the other side saying, if you are the Messiah, the Savior, save yourself and us too. Well, he didn't deserve saying because he didn't believe. His if. The other man says, he has done nothing wrong. So we see the two on each side of Jesus being crucified as well. So as Jesus back in Mark chapter 15, so as you hope you have your finger there, then verse 38, the representation of the connection being severed, or being, excuse me, being opened to you and I. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Like I said, there's room on that cross for you and I. When I say that, I mean we take up our cross daily and follow Christ. Back then, they had instructions. That veil of the temple was drawn, and the high priest would have to go through a cleansing process, open that veil, go into the most holy, close that veil, and only that high priest had access to God to make petitions, to make prayers. When Christ died upon that cross, that veil was torn in two. That access was given to all who come to Christ. With that being said, I want to take note. I just drew a blank. Of uh, John 14, 6. I had to turn to my next passage to remember it. Whenever Christ says, I am the way, truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Access to God was given through Christ. Everybody going through Christ can get to God. Period. Did you notice what he says? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. We call ourselves Christians today. Do we look like Christ? I hope so. Because he just died on the cross in our studies. And that access was given. So we see in Matthew chapter 7. You thought I was going to say verse 21 through 23, didn't you? No, the very next verse, verse 24. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. The reason why I said that, I, I cover those three verses often. They're important to remember, to 
know that we have to abide in Christ's love, keeping the Father's commands, and only them keeping God's commands are going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Verse 24 says this of Matthew chapter 7, Therefore, whoever hears these things of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The representation here in the next few verses, the wise man who built his house upon the rock, that's us understanding what Christ will have us to do, digging down, giving up the world, finding the foundation which is Christ, and building off of it. Wise man building his house upon the rock, hearing what Christ would have us to do, and do them. Well, the rains descended, the floods came, and beat upon the house, and it was a storm and a half, right? Our life, bad things happen, difficulties, the rain, the winds, the floods, the house stood. Because of that wise man, you and I built our faith upon Christ. Because we hear what he would have us to do, and we're going to do it. Oh, but that next man. That, that, un, that foolish man, the unwise man. Yep, and he calls him foolish in verse 26. But everyone who hears these things of mine and does not do them, be like a hearer and not a doer. That's exactly what he says. Well, be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. Huh. And great was the fall. So when we hear what Christ would have us to do, and we do not do them, we're going to fall on that great day. When I say that great day, I mean judgment day. Christ died upon that cross for our sins to be remitted. So they may be remitted. Many of us like John 3.16. So let's turn there real quick. So the world uses this word, these little passages, John 3.16, John 3.16. How about John 3.17? the very next verse John 3 17 for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world listen to what he says John 3 17 for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world no he sent him in here in this world to condemn something it was sin in the flesh that's what he sent Christ to do when he when the son of God, this being one-third God, come to this world, took on flesh. He, he became just like you and I, born of God and married. He condemned sin in the flesh. Why can we say that? Because he was able to be sin-free. He lived his life up until the point of that crucifixion, sin-free. Keep in mind, he was on that cross because they thought he was a sinner. Oh, they wanted to kill him. Oh, he had to go. He's teaching contrary to God's law. No, he's instructing the new covenant is what he was doing, preaching the kingdom of heaven. And the rest of 17, but that the world through him might, oh, there's that word, might be saved. M-I-G-H-T means choice for you and I. My mind goes right back to Hebrews 10, verse 26. If we sin willfully, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of fiery judgment that will devour the, that next word is adversaries. Hmm. Don't be an adversary of God. That would be a scary situation. That would be such a scary situation on judgment day. So today, 
we have an opportunity. Today we have an opportunity to be obedient to God's Word. We have an opportunity to not be condemned, but saved. That word might is there on purpose. A lot of folks say, well, Christ died for my sins, so I'm not held accountable for them. Uh, no, that is not what God's Word says. It says God sent His world into God sent His Son into the world to not to condemn it, but that they might be saved. So what do I need to do? What, 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 what do I need to do to, to be saved? Be obedient unto death. Christ promises the crown of life. Revelations 2, verse 10. Again, that was wrote to a church that's fixing to endure some serious persecutions. Folks, there's room on the cross. We give up the world, we take up our cross and follow Jesus Christ daily. If and only if we seek after Him. Do we want to be at the right hand of God? Do we want to be resurrected unto everlasting life instead of resurrected unto death? There are two. Depicts our life. So how do we look this morning? Do we look like Christ? I seriously hope so. Because as we look like Christ on Judgment Day, His sacrifice upon that cross. Folks, He could have called 10,000 angels. He could have called a legion of folks to take Of course He could have come off that cross. But he did. He was obedient to his father even to death. How are you and I obedient to our heavenly father as well? Have you taken that short walk with Satan? Have you yet to be immersed or baptized for the remission of sins? Folks, come to Christ. Just like Ananias told Saul, soon to be Paul, he was still Saul at the time, why tarriest thou? What are you waiting for? Why are you waiting because we don't know when we're going to breathe our last. Do you think those two thieves on each side of Christ knew that that was going to be their last day? I don't think so. Until that very point in time. But the day before, the week before, do you think that was going to be their last? Mm -mm. We don't know when we're going to go. We don't know when Christ is coming. So let's be ready. Let's make sure we're doing the will of our Father, of Jesus Christ's Father in heaven. Folks, let's go. Be obedient to his word. Why don't we come back to him as we stand, as we sing the song of invitation.